Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Ryan Ripley. Learn more at Ryan Ripley. That's not the one we wanted. Welcome to Agile for Humans. Our goal is to bring humanity back into the world of software delivery with agile values, principles, and practices. We gather top agilists from around the globe to share insights and help you grow as servant leaders in your organizations. We seek to open minds, change hearts, and deliver value into the world. Now here is our host, professional scrum trainer and agile practitioner, Ryan Ripley. Oh, it's been too long since we've done this, guys. Here we go. The music's up. We'll bring that down a little. All right. Welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans. We're live on YouTube. And so if you're watching it live, welcome. If not, you're watching the replay. Welcome back. I think it's been about a year to the day since we've actually shipped one of these. And so, man, it feels good. It's good to see our good friend, Don Gray, Mike Kuhn, Tim Ottinger. What's up, guys? Hey, nice to see you guys again. Nice to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, happy to. It's been too long, and uh, I thought, man, maybe it's time to get the band back together and have a chat. So, but Don's anti-agile. All right. Um, I'm just looking at the chat. I shouldn't be. So, guys, what have you been up to? How are things going in the time of COVID? I know 2020, maybe if you want to chat about how things have been rolling that way, some of the... Uh, Things that you've been looking at as far as the online conferences, the meetups, the topics, the discussions, like what's on your heart? What's been going on? Anybody? <laughs> Somebody. I, I'm a little ambivalent about airplanes. <laughs> yes. You know, I haven't haven't been on one for a year, a little over a year. And um, so it's like, oh, I'm home every day all the time. And that's been great for me, great for my wife. Maybe not as great for my daughter who shares a wall here with me, um, but yeah. So I don't know what that what we're gonna do when we go back to whatever normal is gonna look like. But I don't think it's gonna involve, you know, two and a half, three weeks of travel every month, at least not for me. 
you know, my wife and I were talking about that prior to COVID uh, the year before. I think a lot of the listeners know that, uh, you know, Todd Miller and I, we teach a lot of the scrum.org classes now. And we were traveling all over two flights a week and hitting almost, you know, every state. I think we actually made it to Hawaii. And I mean, we were just all over the place. And I've been home since March of 2020. And I like being home. I really like being home. I, you know, uh, the other day we got done teaching a little early. We wrapped up a product owner class. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon. And my daughter, she's four years old. She said, Daddy, do you want to take a nap? And I said, yes, I do. Now, if I had been in Denver or which is a great city or Chicago or wherever else, that nap would not have happened. And that realization made me think, wow, we should keep teaching online. This is awesome. So I actually miss scenery. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in northeastern Illinois, and it's so flat out here. If you look out at the horizon, you can see the back of your own head. <laughs> so, you know, I'm uh, I'm surrounding myself with all the photos of all the places I've been, and and I kind of miss sitting in a chair at thirty thousand feet and the yeah. take off and landing. But mostly, it's the scenery. But that's part of the ambivalence, I think. Is um, it probably took about three months for me to start figuring out that. There's a certain amount of solitude that I require. And it's a lot easier to get if you're, you know, going on site for two weeks a month. Yeah. Um, you know, so that part has been more than a little bit of an adjustment. And also, uh, you get a little restless. You find yourself looking at houses and, oh, maybe I could Zillow Hawaii and see what we could, you know, <laughs> could move there. And, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a different thing, but um, you know what's fascinating though is the shift. And maybe I shouldn't be surprised by the adaptation, but it seems like everyone moved online that could, you know, pretty rapidly. It seems like things have smoothed out. It's what's been most interesting is a lot of the students in our classes. They've they've been talking about how prior to COVID, their their executive staff had said there is no way we will ever allow remote work. It's just not you will come to the office and and now all of a sudden you can't go to the office and these companies are still wildly profitable with everybody at home and now they're canceling their office leases and they're rethinking the policies completely. And the adaptations, though, have just been pretty phenomenal. That's true. We were trying to sell remote coaching online for like the past, I don't know, six or seven years. And it was really hard to get people to buy it. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we'd like some of that. Yeah. So, yeah, most of my coaching is one-on-one -on -one with, you know, scrum masters, POs, managers, whatever. And um, I'm busier in terms of number of coaching sessions per week than I've ever been. And I'm working fewer hours than I've ever worked. Uh, <laughs> so it's not a bad in deal terms of being in a place. Right. So that part's well, good. What's your secret? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You share that secret, Mike. This uh, this episode will go viral. Well, I didn't say I was making more money than I'd ever. Oh, made, okay. So. There's the. <laughs> so, um, you know what though? We're not losing the day at the airport, though. I mean, right. we typically lose a day in and a day out, or maybe maybe a day in and that back half of a day out. I mean that that's that's pretty amazing too. Well, yeah, and my last two engagements had been Switzerland and uh, Melbourne, Australia. So, you know the Australia gig is 70 hours a month of just travel. Wow. And which of course is not billable. So it really runs down your uh, hourly 
average, but um, yeah, I think the remote coaching and, and I'm sure you've had this where you, you fly somewhere to have a meeting with somebody or to be there. So you can have meetings, meeting time comes and they hit you up and say, Oh, I'm working from home today. We'll have to meet on zoom or whatever. And this was happening to me when I'm going to Melbourne. I said, I didn't fly to Melbourne to talk to you on zoom. Um, <laughs> so now it's like, okay, well, We'll just zoom and I, you know, whatever time we want to do it, I think is fine. Don, what are you seeing with remote work? I know that uh, you've been looking at different means of delivering certain things online. Like what are some of the trends you've seen? Well, so tying it back to home, uh, I think uh, Carol is ready for me to hit the road again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, I've been, yeah, like, so similar to Tim and Mike, I, I was on the road a bunch. And then in 17, it just became on the road some. Yeah. And she's missing me being gone. <laughs> I'm happy being at home. Um, so I personally, yes, we are looking at doing some things online. Uh, Esther and I are looking at uh, taking a chunk of coaching beyond the team uh, some of our past participants were gracious enough to reply to a survey, and it sort of popped up an area that we don't spend a lot of time on in the workshop. So we're going to be doing some of that uh, remote, um, online. We've talked about uh, possibly uh, coaching beyond the team as a uh, live virtual class, you know, scattering it. Instead of three days, ah, we're on the third day <laughs> in the afternoon, everybody's brain melts. It does melt. Yep. Yeah. You were there. I was there. Oh, uh, and so, my brain melted. <laughs> so we're thinking about maybe parsing, you know, like a couple of hours once a week and do work and then report back, cover more material. And so we're looking at various things. Um, coach at uh, Gross Method, uh, we've just uh, started chatting with somebody in Austria. Uh, an organization in Austria, which is obviously going to have to be done remotely. So we're looking at technologies. And Ryan, you've been very gracious about sharing the stuff you're doing and the platforms and the techniques you've been using to continue your training. So that's been very useful. Um, I am the wild, wild optimist. Uh, I don't think you can be in our profession, what we do for a living, without a severe disconnect from reality hmm. because you have to be an optimist in this position. It's my view. I could be mistaken, but uh, the people I know that do this are very optimistic about the future, about change uh, and about being able to create some sort of a positive impact for the software development profession. Hmm. Um, it's, it's what keeps us coming to work at least for me. And um, I'm hopeful that we will actually be able to start doing uh, some face-to-face -face stuff late third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter this year. Um, scored on my first vaccine shot today. So I'm one step closer to crawling into a seat and sitting at 30,000 feet and smiling. Um, like Tim, I, I actually miss it. Uh, I enjoy going places and doing things and my wife enjoys me being gone and doing things. 
So uh, did I ever answer your question? You did fine, Don. You did fine. You know, I've done the same as you, though. With the, So our uh, technical excellence workshops are two meetings a week. And we're doing like Monday and Thursday or Tuesday and Friday for just a few hours and then work for them to do in the meantime. That's really seeming to be a good deal for people because always the problem with training, you know, you come in and you sit for a whole day and your brain went home somewhere around two o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, you try to recover it by 10 o'clock the next morning. (laughs) You're fighting your way through it all. And this idea of just a few hours early in the week, a few hours late in the week and some assignments, that slow drip seems to really be working for people and making a yeah. real difference. So yeah, I, I highly recommend exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's uh, we've tried so many different formats, you know, over the past year, it's, you know, five half days, four half days, three days, two full days. Uh, and we keep experimenting, trying to figure out, because I mean, if we have this LVC, the, this virtual setup and we can teach remotely, how do we optimize this experience? Because it can't just be like the two days in the classroom live, right? If if there are still trainers out there who are just plowing through slides as if you're in person in front of a, a group of people, oh my gosh, like I hope that's not happening. I mean, it's, it's a totally different experience. As Don has said, we've been kind of talking about different ways of delivering this stuff, but it, it's been a fascinating journey because I think with the technology and with the different learning modes and the, with the different activities, We've actually gotten it to about the 90% experience. And that's where I'm, I'm kind of landed there, where it's kind of like um, 90% is is kind of where we're at. I don't think it's a, I think you lose that 10% being face to face, but uh, I, I think we're close. A lot of people, you know, I think today is the actual 20th anniversary of the Manifesto of Agile Software Development, right? And so a lot of people talk about the face to face communication aspect and how what we're doing online isn't agile. And, you know, we've talked to a few of those of those authors and manifesto writers on the show. And, and it was Kent Beck who actually said, Ryan, do you remember the tools back when we wrote the manifesto? The online, they were terrible. <laughs> like they were, I mean, the cameras were the heavily pixelated. Bandwidth was non-existent unless you were at work. I mean, of course we wanted face-to-face, but look at this right now. I can see your guys' eyes. I can see when... You know, I can see the approving or disapproving or judgmental scowls or the, I mean, we can see all that stuff, right? Don especially is like, oh, there's Ryan rambling again, but, or maybe that's just in my head, the Don on my shoulders, shut up, shut up, shut up. But I mean, it's, <laughs> but we can, but we can talk and we can laugh. We can see the, exp- I think this is close. And I'm, I'm actually, I was not optimistic. I wasn't the optimist that Don was talking about back in March of last year, but now, man, I'm a believer. I think this works. Yeah. You know, um, when this started off, we had a bunch of people cancel workshops yeah. and visits, you know, because you would. I mean, it's only reasonable, right? And what it seems like is that the people who were agile went, well, here's where we are. How do we, you know, um, adapt, overcome, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, suddenly people are diving in and now we're learning how to use all of the online tools better. Everybody's upgraded their setup. And suddenly, you know, we have this ability so at the end of one of the month-long workshops I did, we did a, we did a month-long boot camp hmm. for a customer um, in Europe. So it was 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. every day. It was fun. <laughs> I've got one of those coming up. You'll have to give me the tricks to, to live through that. We'll do that. <laughs> um, 
But at the end of it, when they did a retrospective, they said, you know, there is nothing that we would have gotten face to face that we weren't able to have in this workshop. Yeah. Yeah. The part about lunch, changing your setup and, and all that to accommodate this stuff. You know, I was a laptop only guy for many years and, you know, now my setup is not a laptop only by quite a bit, but I find that when you're talking about doing face-to-face coaching or especially one-on-one stuff, but even with groups, yeah, the tool sets and the setup have, I'm not even sure that it's as maybe for training, but for a lot of the facilitation and workshops or whatever, I'm not sure that we lose the 10% in a way that we don't gain somewhere else. Oh, Um, agreed. Agreed. And so I think that part has been really instructive. So I'd like to ask a question, Mike, when you said you gain in some other way, do you have an example? Can you share something that you might've gained being remote that you couldn't have gotten face to face? Sure. So one of my clients is really big on Jamboard. So they're a Google shop and they do Google stuff, but being able to say, Hey, I'm going to have you, you know, I'm going to set up a Jamboard for each person and, you know, put some thoughts down and then be able to bring those back and review them really easily. Um, So in some ways we've reduced the friction that you have when you're in person, you say, oh, I'd like for the U3 to go over there and U3 to go over there. It takes, you know, 15 minutes to get people sorted out and and arranged. And you can do some of that stuff quite quickly. Um, And then you can have, you can have artifacts to uh, exchange or to look at uh, a little easier than than you might be able to do personally. Like I'm I'm not a big fan of the flip chart things that you do a lot of times when you're in a big room. Yeah. And you know, compared to that, a uh, a Jamboard or a Miro page or something can really uh, be a lot smoother. Um, I, I'm not opposed to flip charts, but everybody who tries to read my writing is. <laughs> I found yeah. that you can get 20 people um, adding cards to a virtual flip chart simultaneously and nobody yeah. bumps into each other or knocks anyone over or elbows another person in the face. <laughs> yeah. And and, the, and a lot of times they'll start to, uh, you know, you can then ask people to start grouping things in themes and they can do that quickly as well. So the many hands make light work. Um really is is in play in a lot of those cases, I think. You know, something that comes to mind about the live versus virtual, I, you know, I do like the, I, I still am kind of stuck on that 90%. And I'm thinking back to actually, go ahead, Don. It's all live. Okay, it's all live. <laughs> it's either in person or, or virtual. virtual. All right, right. That's fair. If you got dead people in your workshops, you're doing really well. I mean, as long as they paid, right? I, That's <laughs> it. But I, I do remember... Um, in coaching beyond the team, there was a moment of very deep frustration for me. Um, one of the activities I think exposed a weakness of mine that I wasn't really happy about. And so there was a, what it led to was an opportunity. I think I actually Don, I, I think I came over and complained to you for a little bit. And then we kind of had a chat and we figured out some things to look at and think about. Um, what I have found though, in moments of frustration during these online virtual sessions, people just shut their camera off. And there's kind of this mist, like you can, whenever a camera just goes off, I mean, sometimes it's a kid running in the room or the dogs are about to yard, are about to go crazy because the, the amateur Amazon truck just pulled up. 
I mean, sometimes it's that, but you know, sometimes they just, they, they don't understand something. They get frustrated. There's a, mm-hmm. we've, we've kind of cracked something that they used to believe, but they know they can't believe it anymore. And the camera just goes off and it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, I wish I could, could grab that moment and, and have the, <laughs> there he goes, <laughs> you know what I, but I think there are some of those moments that we still don't quite have figured out, you know? Don, you just gave me a flashback, though, to the movie Real Genius, which I think you've seen. Yeah. So in the movie, there's a scene where the professor, you hear him speaking and it pans up across the room and you see all the students there have their tape recorders running. It finally pans to the front of the room and the professor is just a reel to reel tape. (laughs) Well, I guess that's the alternative to a live session is we could do pre-recorded and people are supposed to sit there and watch it. Yeah, not a bad way to go, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's been an interesting adventure. There's definitely been a lot of time and money and investment in in trying to make sure that the experiences people are having online are are excellent. Mm -hmm. And it's we've learned a lot. I still think we got a lot more to learn um, as we continue down this. two key lessons. I know people are sitting there going, well, what have you learned? Like what? I think one of the two big things is you really have to invest in audio and in video. Like, I don't think you can get away with bad audio, especially audio. If you have to pick one, if your budget's limited, the audio has to be excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think people can stand hearing you through a tin can uh, for, for two days straight. Right. But We've seen just the need to really amplify the game in both areas. Um, but then even facilitation, like I said, you can't plow through slides anymore. Not that we ever did. I mean, that would that's not a fun mode of learning, but learning these new tools like Mural is the one that we've really focused in on. Um, but I know Miro is excellent. I know there's a lot of other great tools out there, but getting you know really proficient with those tools and but even then constructing different ways of of using zoom breakouts and mural and it's it's really i think it's a new branch not a new branch it's a branch that many people are being exposed to as far as facilitation and con- content creation goes that is really growing and expanding and changing quickly yeah and, and we're not the only ones you know my my wife teaches kindergarten she's been doing that remotely which is a completely different thing than what I'm doing remotely. And it's a lot louder (laughs) (laughs) and a lot more chaotic, but you know, she spent the entire summer learning how to use tools and, you know, and, and so she's got a different, but similar amount of investment in, in her new setup, you know, Um, or, you know, I have a, different and similar amount of investment in her new setup would be more accurate, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, but even that that's been kind of interesting because it gives, it gives us a different understanding of what each other does for a living. Oh yeah. Um, especially when we're both trying to do it at the same time in the same house. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but you don't share a wall. No, that's, that's for my 20 year old. She's thrilled about hearing me and my people every day. <laughs> so I have a question for Ryan. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about up, upping our audio and video uh, capabilities. Sure. How has facilitation shifted 
So when you when I'm in a group, when I'm in a room with 24 other people and Esther sitting right there, right. there's a certain energy, there's a certain ambiance, there's you have this option of viewing individuals, groups, subgroups, and whatnot. Uh, you don't have that. So how does this virtual or remote work, how do you have to upskill? How do you change your facilitation techniques? So I, I, there's some big shifts that, that Todd and I have seen. I mean, and we're speaking from the scrum world. So the scrum training world, your world might be different. Um, what we saw or what we've seen is there have been, there's a lot of different styles, but one of the styles that's really struggling right now are the ones that, that relied on character, personality, presence over everything else, right? There are some trainers who can get in front of a room um, and, and just dazzle them with stories and talk about the good old days of Agile. And for two days, people leave mesmerized by the charisma and they can carry a room. That's dead. <laughs> like, like that style is gone. Mm -hmm. uh, another style that we see is of the, the expert. I'm the expert at the front of the room and I am going to give you opportunities to ask questions, but I am the one that is going to predominantly be the wise one and provide you the answers. That's dead. Like that is a boring two days. And so we're, we're seeing people having to shift away from that. And, and to an extent, those are things that Todd and I use. You know, you use presence, you use expertise, but something that we've always done and now we've amplified is really trying to speak as little as possible and having the, the groups work together uh, to discover uh, things along the way. And now we'll come in and nudge. I, 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 we call it nudging. Like we'll give a suggestion, you know, it's like, hey, that looks interesting, but what about this? And now get back into your Zoom room and, and discuss and, and work on this activity. And so I think the facilitation has shifted to the students are the center of attention and it's their interactions and the experience we craft around their interactions that have to be most important. And that's hard I think for a lot of trainers out there who like being front and center, who enjoy having that expert seat where I don't think those facilitation methods, I don't think they're working right now. Does that answer what you're asking, Don? Yes, basically. The, the figure was, let me unmute myself because yeah. I'm trying to be polite. Sure. But yeah, so that that's helpful. Um, I, I was just curious because... You know, we, we are people, we are, we are organic material operating in an inorganic environment. And if you right. just up, you know, uh, the technology is simply an amplifier. Right. So if you're a crappy facilitator, mm. oh yeah, then having great technology just means you can spread more crap around. <laughs> um, so I, I was curious, um, about that because it seems to me and i don't know i don't i don't have an answer for this question i haven't don't have an answer for any question i've asked yet tonight so don't <laughs> feel bad uh i was just curious what you've observed so far you know uh, yeah and that's what we've seen so far that we've set a rule for ourselves if we've talked for more than five minutes we've got to get them in an activity we mm -hmm. got to get them away from us we can't we cannot put them to sleep because you know i sat through some classes I took a lot of classes in early 2020, seeing what a lot of other people were doing. And I sat through a four day class of plowing through slides and it was miserable. And so I realized I'm not going to do that. I sat through another class of really poor facilitation. And so quite honestly, we, we reached out to a lot of friends. We read a lot of books. We've, this year has been a year of growth. 
like we were decent facilitators at the beginning of the year. I hope that we've leveled up enough that our students keep coming back. They seem happy, but we had deficiencies we had to fix, right? In order to actually create a good experience here. Uh, there is a question in the chat from a, a, we have a, we have a listener or a watcher here. They've joined us. Um, so a new, as a scrum master, I struggle to get everyone on their cameras. One of the facilitation techniques or on the facilitation techniques, should I revisit the working agreement with the team? Maybe I am already late to do this. That's it. And by the way, hello, Marcus. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> we got a lot going on, but a news concerned about the cameras hey not there. being on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How have you guys handled the cameras, that situation where people don't want to turn them on? I, um, I have a couple of little techniques. <clears throat> One is if, if there's a good, Oh, are you having a hard time hearing me? Oh, you're good. Thanks. Oh, you're good. Okay, good. Um, if there's a good time at the beginning of the session, I'll, I'll kind of give a feel about, um, you know, the, that I, as a participant and facilitator get great value from being able to see your face because it lets me gauge whether I'm doing a good job in, uh, in getting my message across and, and keeping things engaging. And, um, and it, and it helps me interpret how, what people are saying, because you can say the same, same word. And if you, if the face is like this, or if the face is like this, the visual is so important. So what I always say is there's kind of a, I stated as kind of a hierarchy, like if you have any issues of privacy or discomfort, by all means, do not turn on your camera if it's going to compromise you in any way. But then secondly, if, if you're having connectivity problems so that you, the, the video feed causes the audio to go garbly, then it's like you were saying, Ryan, audio is more important than turn off the camera. But if not, please, 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 you will help me and you will help everyone else by having it on for as much of the time as you can. And um, I found yeah. that's pretty effective at getting people to, um, to change it, at least in that moment. And then otherwise I'll, I'll kind of take moments to survey the crowd and then ask, oh, hey, I can't tell if anybody's here or not, or things like that. And that will, that will often get the cameras to kind of flip back on. Yeah, we'll awesome. usually start every session with- uh, Not foolproof. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. If you start with working agreements and everybody decides when we can have the cameras on, and and sometimes people are afraid to have the cameras on because they might, you know, you might see a child or a pet or a partner or something, and you know when they know that's okay, a lot of them will keep them on more often. But we come with agreements about when the cameras must be on, you know, when we agree to have them on and when we don't, uh, and we decided during breakfast they can be off. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I think those are important. We um. We've actually been pretty blessed at the, up to this point where we've not had too many people keep their cameras off. And so they've been pretty open to um, they've been pretty open to keeping the cameras on. Um, on a, there's there's a few moments where you know we'll open a class with, look, if the cameras are on, it really helps everybody learn together. It builds rapport, it builds relationship. And that's usually enough. We also send pre-work out that says, hey, we're expecting uh, cameras to be on that they're fully functional, that you have a means through headphones or microphone to speak. And I think we try to set those expectations early and, and we're, we're, we're very repetitive about it, right? Every email they get discusses the need for video and, and we haven't had too many concerns. The, the one time I think Tim is right, um, 
is that uh, he's right. If you're eating, shut it off. That's fine. Um, but there, that said, there, we have had one or two students that have that have come back and said, "Look, I don't want to invite all of you in my living room. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not comfortable with that." And so we still teach, and we have that happen. There's even some other students who are more than happy to uh, turn on the camera once we do a breakout with a smaller group. And so again, there's people, people are going to have preferences and people have certain needs that need to be met. And so we don't press it, but, uh, I think, yeah, so far so good. How else do, uh, and so Jenny also, by the way, welcome. Um, how else are you all handling the, the video cameras and the, the intrusion into the living rooms and, and all of those, uh, dynamics? So, so my, uh, I haven't had a tremendous amount of trouble with people not using cameras, but in groups, if I find that I've got some reasonable percentage of people not, I sort of relate a story from several years ago when we first started using video um, with a group I was working with. And I really recognized the value of having the video. One day we're having a meeting, the the, um, content is a little bit hot and so there's one guy and he had his camera on. He didn't say anything, but there was just this look in his face. And and I knew he had a problem. And so, you know, I asked him and he told me what was going on. And we were able to sort of redirect and come to a much better situation. And if we had just been on audio, he wouldn't have spoke up. Nobody would have known. We never would have got to that better resolution. And so what's interesting is, I'll sort of relate this story and cameras will come on, you know, if not immediately over time, they'll start to come on because I, if, I think most people want you to be able to understand that they need a chance to have, you know, to be heard and to be invited to be heard. And it, that's a lot better if they have some idea that you might notice the tick um, rather than them necessarily having to speak up. So, yeah. Well, and I, I, I should say this past week, we did have one situation um, where the person was trying to do other work and they felt guilty and they had their camera off. And, and so something that we had to, to work through uh, was that, hey, so for our classes, another facilitation tip, if you're doing the kind of the, the two day workshop type of courses that, uh, that Todd and I teach, uh, every 60 minutes, we take a 10 minute break. I think it's really important that we, we look we know life is ha- my my three children are homeschooling uh, due to the pandemic. One wall over. Uh, my wife, I were in a great position to where she's been able to stay home and manage the majority of that. She's amazing. She's my rock. I love her um, far more than I could ever express. But every once in a while, I need to get up and assist. I need to be a good partner there because one of the kids is just way out of line. or And so that break kind of relieves a little bit of the guilt that I have that she's got all of that on her plate. You know, so in that 10 minutes, I can check an email real quick. Todd and I can do a quick call to make sure the class is going all right. I can tell my middle child to stop being crazy. Um, and then we can get back to work. And that seems to relieve a lot of the tension that can come with the cameras as well and some of the guilt and some of the other emotions going on in the moment as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to have, I, I had an interesting thing happen this year. Um, and I've, I've mainly been working with, uh, with one group this year, one client, and uh, they were 100% cameras off. Yeah. So for months, I attended 
lots of sessions. Sometimes it was me observing, sometimes it was me doing some training, sometimes it was workshops, but it was months of no feedback unless they decided to verbally give the feedback. And so um, I told them I wasn't coming back. I said, I am actually unable to do my job if I can't have that kind of feedback. I don't know if people are sleeping. I don't know if they're angry. You know, I don't know if they're bored because this is so, so, so that feedback is so important. And what a lot of what I, you know, believe in agile is the agile for humans, right? It's uh, the, the human interaction. And so um, they agreed to try it. And we're at about 70% cameras on most of the time. And we do all the things y'all talked about. Don't eat on, don't eat while you're on camera. No one yeah. wants to see it. Your dog walks in. We all want to say hi to the dog. Right. I mean, we try to, to recognize the, those things and it's really shifted things. Mm-hmm. It makes the conversations go faster, better, deeper work. gets done. It's 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 a stark difference. That's awesome, Jenny. I, I and I think it's important that we thing. Oh, sorry, Marcus. I, I was just going to say it's important. We set the right tone. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so people are concerned that like Todd and I are going to be upset as the facilitators of the course, if something interrupts them. So eventually Emily and my four-year-old will walk into this room. I'll just pick her up, put her on my lap and keep teaching. And everyone's like, wait a minute, that's okay. I'm like, yeah, go get your cat, put him in your lap. Go ahead and it's, this is life. Right. And so, yeah, it's just amazing. All the things that are going on that if we don't pause and just make the space okay for this stuff, it really takes away from, um, it really takes away from, from the, the experience overall. Right. Mm-hmm. I workshop, I had a bunch of, uh, younger developers, young in the profession, not necessarily by age. <clears throat> and so of course, you know, some of them it's cameras off and microphone off. And I noticed it was gone for a while. So together we all wrote a little random name generator that would take some kind of an honorific and a name and put it together. And it would say, um, Jenny, the magnificent, please come and save us from this quandary. And so whenever I came up with a question, I would click the button. It would come up with a line to feed me. And you know what? I was really pleased. 99% of the time when I would call out somebody's name, they would have an immediate answer. And I think in a month, one time somebody answered with, uh, um, uh, and I just said, and let him go until somebody else in the room said, um, Tim was asking such and such. And he'd go, oh, uh, I don't know. And that was the end of that. It never happened again. And that was pretty late in the workshop. So it was not even bad. One time. Well, and these things are very, very complex. You know, I, there's some comments. We're, we're talking to some some viewers in the chat where maybe one of them's beating themselves up a little too much over um, not being masters of this. I'm going to be honest and we mess this up every class, Mm -hmm. right? And we're learning during every class. And if you were to take a look at the first virtual course that we taught back in March versus today, oh my gosh, I wish we could record pieces of it and show that just, I mean, we've, we are working through all of these issues and each class is, is such a different environment and we, we mess it up. And I think the most important thing is when you do mess it up, you say, Hey, that didn't work. We're really sorry. What can we try next? And just try to be humans through the whole thing and not try to be perfect. And, you know, if, if, if there's a skill, like, like I said, from March to today, we've really had to up the facilitation game. We've had to learn a lot. We've had to lean on people, uh, our friends to share their tips. And we've tried to share with them. And, 
and we're still messing this up and we're still learning. So, I mean, this is don't beat yourself up. Just decide tomorrow to be a little better. And in a couple months, I think you're going to be doing great. Right. So, yeah, don't don't be too hard on yourself out there. Yeah. I would certainly agree with that. You know, it's a, another place I think psychological safety, of course, comes in. Um, I have someone that has still not turned on their camera ever. I haven't asked. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They know. They know. They they can see it. They see other people getting benefited out of it. They they have decided not to, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Different modes, different uh, different things for different people, right? Right. What else is going on in, in this space? We know the camera thing is interesting. And uh, we were talking about upgrading video and sound and having to create the right in, uh, experiences and environments. What else has been helpful to the either the workshops or the two-day courses or the, the one-on-ones? What have you seen really help people get comfortable with this, this mode of working? The silence makes me comfortable. <laughs> Well, That's one of the exactly things what I do is yeah. we have posters that we've put up that um, face us. So we can see the posters and our students cannot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had popped one up a minute ago. I, I wonder if it's still there somewhere um, that said waste on it and had pictures of crickets. And waste is an acronym. It stands for why am I still talking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as I'm sitting here, I can see some Zoom shortcuts. Um, some recording shortcuts for OBS, um, the waste sticker, and our working agreements, we print and we post those on the wall above the computer. So as we're working, I can see the working agreements. I'm reminded to shut up. All those things are there. So kind of going back to something that you hit on earlier uh, in response to Don's question, you know, I've found that even in an hour, if you're going to deal with a group of people, not necessarily one-on-one, but a group of people, even for an hour, you've got to, you know, way before 10 minutes in, you've got to have them interacting with each other instead of you. And at first it felt a little bit like cheating, right? Hey, I'm going to talk about this topic or whatever. And really what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a tidbit and then I'm going to ask you to go cook the meal uh, you know, not completely on your own, but but really you're put, putting a lot of the work on the interaction with the folks that you're dealing with, I think. And it seems beneficial to me for them. And of course, it makes it possible to do this without just being bored out of your skull. So <laughs> There's Tim's waste. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it's uh, man, it's been it's been a wild year. I'll, I'll say that it's uh, with a lot of learnings. I'm trying to think some of the other things that we do, um, and I we will probably do a different show on this. But I think the the, the ten minute break um, every every hour. I think trying to make sure that we're not talking too much, making sure that we're doing the nudges, not just the lecturing. Like I'm not a professor. I don't have tenure. I shouldn't be talking to adults for more than five or six minutes at a time. Like, and, and that kind of mode, I think those kind of swing thoughts really keep us out of a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't know. Maybe we're getting to that point. Are we wrapping this up or Jenny? What would you, what do you, what's going on with you? We haven't talked in a while. Hi. What's, uh, how's your practice going? Uh, it's going well. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was, I'm still back on that last topic a little bit. There's one other right. thing I want to add. Um, when I was trying to model behavior, when everybody else's camera was off and I had mine on, I realized what a power differential it was. My, I mean, everyone knows I'm an extrovert, right? I'm probably going to talk sometimes, but to combine my interrupting sometimes with my very, um, demonstrative facial expressions, I, I swayed meetings all the time because they're like, oh, look, Jenny's confused or Jenny has a question or, and I'm like, wow, like the power of, of, of being on camera. So I would just <laughs> caution about that for, for folks in leadership positions, especially even those that are doing it with good intentions to model good behavior. It can, it can really have this, um, what I thought was an unexpected consequence. Um, yeah, I, there's just a lot of real good stuff going on. Um, one of my favorite work from home practices, and I, I don't know how this is going to translate when we all get to leave our offices, is I have such a better ability to take notes and do screenshots, right? Or pull up something from the internet. Like, like I feel like the whole world is just right here at my mm -hmm. disposal. So um, just like you just did, Ryan, you know, like, oh, here's a visual. Look how easy that was. You didn't have to go over to the yeah, you know, whiteboard and do it. So, um, I think that's really, really been a helpful practice. You know, it's interesting you say that. You know, between Todd and I, we've built up an insane amount of of assets within Mural that if someone brings up a topic, I mean, mm -hmm. I could just open up a browser, open up one of our folders in Mural, and have something ready. It's good to go. It's a, it could be an activity, it could be an illustration. I yeah, and having that stuff just ready. Uh, right. has been really, really valuable, right? They're like, hey, how does a burn up chart work? Well, here's one that we like. Here's, here, here's, you know, we may not, you know, and save the comments about, is it a good practice or a bad <laughs> practice? Uh, but here's one that we can yeah. start with and then we'll shift you over to some other stuff later on. And, but I mean, having that stuff handy has been really helpful. And we, when we get yeah. a question in class, it used to be, well, let's put that on the parking lot. And then that night we would try to, in the hotel room, because Basically, you go get some takeout somewhere and you go back to the hotel room and you draw the poster and you try to now we can just put them in an activity right. and say, yeah, we, does this work? And if not, you can shift it a little bit. And it, it's just so malleable. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's been really, really fascinating to see. You know, another that you just remind me of another practice. So I've always said that um, Google is your agile best friend. Hmm. If you know kind of how to use it in a specific way. So what I like to do, if I have something, let's say cumulative flow diagram, and then you go to images and you've got all of these different images of cumulative flow diagram, you can find one that's that wants to express what you're looking for. And this happened the other day um, as I was having a conversation with somebody and they had this wonderful artifact. It was, it was beautiful, it was full of information and they were calling it a story map and it was not a story map, right? And so what I did was I went to Google <laughs> type in story map, went to images and just scrolled through it and said, what do you see different about these than what you have? And you're like, oh, yeah. So I was clearly showing that I wasn't bringing in bias to this. It wasn't my way or the highway. It was, you know, this is a pretty standard practice. There's some goodness here that we're missing. And then they were able to kind of discover that on their own. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I. It's an interesting this whole online remote. It's just got my head swimming about the lessons. I wish I would have been better at journaling. Um, but it's funny during this COVID thing, I've been terrible in my writing practices. It's actually Todd and I are working on book number two, and it's been very slow going. They're saying there's some you know, brain fog that comes with being under the stress of a pandemic. But uh, I wish I would have journaled some of this more like the learnings. And so I might have to sit down and really reflect um, for a future show, because I think a lot of people are going to get a I think this is the stuff people are looking for now is they are trying to up their games as well. So I, I think it's awesome that I appreciate everyone sharing their tips. Um, I think we're coming up on a time box, though. Hey, I think we're getting. Yeah. Can I slip a little one in here? Yeah. Ending. Because this goes with what Jenny was saying. One of the things I love for people who are attending a workshop or a session online, be that person who every time the conversation goes, you know, there was a book. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. Oh. Be the person who finds that and pastes it into the chat. Mm -hmm. Those people are just golden. They're wonderful. And it's a huge contribution to the whole workshop when people do the research on the side. You know, I'm not sure how this is going to work, but we actually, that's, you know, it's funny you bring up the books um, because we actually had that, that issue and I'm excellent at spending your money at Amazon. And so for one of the, our classes, and let me see if I can pull this up, if I can share this new technology folks, we'll see if, if this works out okay. But for our product owner class, um, we actually, we're, we're using a bookshelf and let me see if I can. Day one. Okay. So I think I've got it. Oh, maybe I don't. All right. So we'll see if I can share the screen and share what we're doing with that, because I think that's so awesome. Right. Um, I think it's really important. So it's going to make me share that. Oh, wait, by no, the I, way, my fingers are ready for the screenshot. This is what I'm saying. Notes from the, the home office are good. So I think this is, um, can you see this, the mural? Yes. And so we just share every book, every book we bring up, we commit to putting in the bookshelf, right? And so we make sure that, you know, a year from now, a week from now, whenever they're reviewing this, that they've got um, all of those references just available to them. And so, I, yeah, that, the, but the people who remind us to, to paste the book into the shelf, they're gold, right? Those are, those are our heroes. That, it's those little things that we've learned along the way. You know, take the book recommended. It used to just be someone would write it on one of the flip charts during a break. Oh, yeah, here's the book. And now, it no, everything is more explicit, right? It's here's the bookshelf. This is where this goes. Here's the parking lot. This is where this goes. And, and also something else, I'll, I'll add in one more tip, and I think it, it'll be time to wrap up. The parking lot, the nature of it's changed. You know, in an online session, I think there's some panic about are all of my questions going to get answered? There's so many people and it's so easy to just pepper the field with questions, right? So we basically, we've put up a parking lot and we've said we're committed before we hit end on the Zoom event, on the Zoom meeting to clearing the board. So don't panic. Get all your questions up there. Get, you know, stop with the cognitive load or the panic of all of these things. Get them out, right? That's something Tim's taught me many years ago. The cognitive load on people, if you can reduce it, they make better decisions. They're more attentive. Um, and that's been a big game changer too. like committing to the parking lot. It used to be, well, we got five out of six. It's four o'clock. We got to catch a plane. See you later. Um, now it's no, we will clear this. And so don't worry about this. If you've got a question, we're going to take care of it. I think that's helped with with some of the, the stress of these events, too. 
All right. Well, we're coming up on an hour. Hope I didn't ramble on there too much, but uh, it's great to be back with everybody. It's been too long. I'm hoping we could just turn this into a Thursday night thing. Let's get back to going live and talking with our YouTube group. We've got a lot of followers now. We've got a lot of great questions coming in and uh, let's keep this up. So this is the part of the show, though, where you are free to promote anything that you have going on. Right? This is shameless plug time, although not so shameless. It's yeah, we'll see. But uh, what do you have going on? Let's start on oh, my screen. It's Tim is next to me. Um, Tim, what do you have going on? What would you like to share? Ah, we have an open enrollment of the Technical Excellence Workshop, which is eight weeks, two meetings a week, plus some homework. Um, begins on the 22nd. People can still get in if they want to. Pop over to industriallogic.com and check it out. Excellent. Mike, how about you? What do you got going on? Uh, other than work, the only thing that I have uh, really going on is there. I've got a Slack that is devoted to remote mobbing. It's Remote Mobber. Hit me up on um, Twitter if you'd like an invite. I'm happy to have you. And it's pretty low uh, impact. So there's a lot of slacks there. There's a lot of social stuff. This is pretty much just about the remote mobbing techniques and opportunities. So uh, I'd love to have you if you're interested in that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Jenny, how about you? <laughs> uh, I would like to promote an online event I'll be participating in uh, coming up soon. Uh, Ryan, apologize for a little similarity in names here, but Agile for Humanity. Um, so we're going to be celebrating BIPOC lives. Uh, we've got Lizzie Morris as a keynote. This is February 19th uh, and Saturday, February 20th. So if you search for agileforhumanity.org online, you'll find out all the information. Very nice. And no, I don't mind the closest in names. That's awesome. Marcus, how about you? What do you got going on? I, I got nothing going on in public space that that needs promoting um but um i will i will uh do an alley for tim um at my current client four of the people that i work with regularly attended his workshop recently and all of them spoke very highly of it so um so technical excellence with with uh the agile otter himself i Excellent. i endorse this this class very nice done what are you peddling these days? <laughs> You're muted, buddy. Yeah, it's good to be on mute sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I think out loud and it just makes things more awkward. Yeah. yeah. Um, so right now I'm basically plowing or fold. Let's call it folding. So in human systems dynamics, hsdinstitute.org, there's this concept they talk about, which is stretch and fold. So if you think about dough, as in making bread, you stretch it and you fold it back, need a little bit, stretch it and fold it. Uh, I'm coming to the end of a fold period in my career. Uh, and so Esther and I are working on some things uh, and looking forward back to it in-person workshops, not live, but in-person. <laughs> and, uh, well, live and in-person. And then um, the stuff with the gross method, uh, we're looking at doing some workshops and some of those workshops, moving what we've done in-person for private organizations to 
uh, on an online environment where people who cannot travel uh, or choose not to travel for obvious reasons can still work with us. But I've got nothing to announce at this moment. Nice. Well, and as for me, I think everyone knows what I've been up to um, for a while now. So if you want to check out any of the classes, agileforhumans.com is a great place to look. Of course, I'm still peddling the book. So fixing your scrum, it actually, what's funny is it came out right as the pandemic started, which was not good timing for a book. But this year we've seen just massive sales of the book. And so I think people are getting uh, more comfortable with the work environment. They're seeing some scrum stuff. And this is actually applying to a lot of remote so hopefully you check out the book. The other thing I want to share very quickly is I have the extreme privilege to know April Jefferson. She's a great coach in our community, very good friend of mine. She's gotten me involved with a group this weekend. So I'll be speaking on a panel um, this weekend and you can find, it's one of the Agile 20 Reflect Festival events. It's one that's really based out of Ghana. And so we're going to be talking about human potential and how agility brings that forward. And so if you check out April Jefferson on LinkedIn, you can find the links. And the... so I'll be speaking on a very, very awesome panel that I really do not belong on. There are people far better than me on there, but I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it and I hope I can contribute. Um, and so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but otherwise, the YouTube channel, right? So I would really love it if people would check this out, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button so that you know when we go live next time. Uh, that way you can get a question in as a few of our uh, listeners and viewers did as well. And so that helps us go keep going too, because it's more fun to answer your questions than just to listen to Don and I and Jenny and Marcus and Tim and Mike ramble on, right? And uh, so we really love your questions. And so please hit that like and subscribe button and join us. Uh, but I think at this point, I'm going to bring up the end screen. I'm going to thank everybody for being here. I'm going to invite you to hit all the... Uh, Hit all the socials, like and subscribe, as we mentioned. There's going to be some videos popping up here that uh, you might like as well, some past episodes of the podcast. And uh, yeah, let's just keep this going. We're going to make this a regular thing again. We'll get the podcast back in everyone's podcatcher. And just thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for being here. And we will <laughs> hopefully uh, see you next week. All right. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on. <laughs>